Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show.
What's good, boys and girls? Two Footed Podcast. Today is Thursday. It is the 25th of January, and it is wet. It's a miserable L day. But you look, it could be worse. Hope you're all well, having yourselves a pleasant day, wherever you happen to be listening. We're going to start with last night's EFL Cup semi-final. Liverpool going to Fulham and getting a 1-1 draw, and thus winning the tie 3-2 on aggregate, with good performances across their back line. Solid performances in midfield. And exciting performances from Darwin Nunes and Luis Diaz. Now, Liverpool made this far harder than it needed to be and missed a couple of great opportunities that should have sealed the game. Luis Diaz, early in the second half, should have doubled the Reds' lead to 2-0 after he had made it 1-0 in the first half. But he blew that chance. And then they got a good counter-attacking opportunity off a Fulham miss when Fulham hit the post. Ball broke to Nunes. He carried it well, picked the right option, fed Harvey Elliott. And unfortunately, Elliott just didn't have the composure and shot straight at the goalkeeper when it had the ball been on his left foot, he absolutely scores. On his right foot, he doesn't have the confidence. But Liverpool should have had that game wrapped up. Fulham got back into it. Issa Diop with a close-range goal after good work from Harry Wilson. But the Reds held on and they go through to the final where they will face Chelsea. This will be the third EFL Cup final between the two sides. In 2005, they faced off on the 27th of February at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. Liverpool went 1-0 up in the first minute through John Arnorisa. Then a Steven Gerrard own goal on 79 minutes sent the game to extra time. Didier Drogba put Chelsea 2-1 up. Matthias Kesman made it 3-1. And Antonio Nunes pulled one back to make it 3-2, but Liverpool couldn't find an equaliser. And the Jose Mourinho era at Chelsea began with silverware. They played again in 2022. Obviously, they played in both cup finals that year. But this time, Liverpool managed to win on penalties. After a nil-nil draw, everybody took a penalty. Liverpool won the penalty shootout 11-10. to Queeving Kelleher, the hero of the day for Liverpool, did not actually save any of the 11 penalties that he faced. 10 went in and Kepa blazed his over the bar, but Kelleher did score his penalty. And to his credit was quite composed during the game. Uh, Liverpool will be hoping for a repeat of 2022. Chelsea will be hoping for a repeat of 2005. Personally, I'm hoping for a repeat of neither. I'd like this game to be won within the 90 minutes. And that's just me. And obviously, I, I am moderately biased and I would like Liverpool to win the game within the 90 minutes. Um, yeah, should be a fun one. This will be Liverpool's 14th appearance in the League Cup final. They have nine wins, which is the most of anybody. They won it in 81, 82, 83 and 84. Again in 95, the Steve McManaman final. They won it in 2001 as part of a treble under Gerard Houllier. They won it again under Houllier in 2003. Then they had a nine-year wait to win it again under Kenny Dalglish, who'd been part of the teams as a player that won it from 81 to 84. 
And then they won it in 2022 for the first time under Jurgen Klopp. They lost the finals in 1978. They were beaten 1-0 by Nottingham Forest in a replay. They lost in 87, beaten 2-1 by Arsenal. They lost that game in 05. And they lost in 2016 to Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. Was it Pep Guardiola's Manchester City? It might have been Pellegrini's Manchester City. I mean, just, I think it was Pellegrini's Manchester City. It was Manuel Pellegrini's Manchester City. Guardiola took over the next season. Um, Chelsea, on the other hand, this will be their 10th appearance. They won in 65. They defeated Leicester City. That was a two-legged final back then. It was a two-legged final up until 1966. But Chelsea beat Leicester 3-2 in aggregate in 65. Then they had to wait till 1998 to win it again. A 2-0 win over Middlesbrough. They beat Middlesbrough in both cup finals that year. And Borough were... No, that was the year before Borough got to both finals and got relegated. They lost to Leicester and then lost to Chelsea in the FA Cup final. This was Championship Middlesbrough, if I'm not mistaken. 1998 Championship Middlesbrough. Yeah, Championship Middlesbrough. And Leicester, uh, Chelsea won 2-0 after extra time. Uh, Chelsea won it again in 2005 against Liverpool. They won it in 2007 against Arsenal. And their last victory came in 2015. Jose Mourinho's second spell at the club. They beat Tottenham 2-0. They were losing finalists in 1972, losing 2-1 to Stoke. They lost again in 2008, 2-1 to Tottenham the last time Tottenham took home any silverware. And they've lost their last two. They lost on penalties to Manchester City in 2019 and lost on penalties to Liverpool in 2022. Chelsea have struggled in finals in recent years. If we go back to that year when Jose Mourinho won the league title, 2014-15, they win the League Cup along with their league title. 2016, they accomplish nothing. They have a disastrous season of finishing 10th. 2017, they win the league. They get to the FA Cup final and they lose 2-1 to Arsenal, a game in which they were heavily favoured and failed to get the job done. 2017-18, they win the FA Cup under Antonio Conte. Uh, they defeat in the final Manchester United 1-0. 2018-19, they get to the final of the EFL Cup, where they are beaten by Manchester City. That's the famous game in which Kepa refused to leave the pitch for the penalty shootout and subsequently tanked his Chelsea career. 2019-20 then, they get to the FA Cup final. 
they're heavily favoured and they lose to Frank Lampard's no, sorry, they lose to Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. They're managed by Frank Lampard. They lose to Arteta's Arsenal, the only silverware Arteta has won thus far. 2021, managed by Thomas Tuchel. Obviously, they win the Champions League final that year, beating Manchester City. But we're looking at domestic finals here. They get to the FA Cup final, heavily favoured, and somehow lose 1-0 to Brendan Rodgers' Leicester City. 21-22, they get to both domestic cup finals and lose both domestic cup finals to Liverpool. Now, that's not to say that Liverpool have themselves been flawless in finals because under Jurgen Klopp, they haven't been flawless in finals. They've gotten to a lot of them. So, so a rundown here of Liverpool and their record in semi-finals under Jurgen Klopp. And it is really, really impressive. In 2016, they reached the EFL Cup and Europa League finals. In the EFL Cup, obviously, they lose to Manchester City on penalties. In the Europa League, they lose to Sevilla. I should have mentioned in Chelsea's finals, they did also win a Europa League in that time, defeating Arsenal. Um, So 2016, Liverpool get to two finals and lose both of them. 2017, they do not get to a final. They lose in the semi-final of the EFL Cup, I believe, to Southampton. Yeah. Somehow lose 2-0 on aggregate to Southampton. 2018, then they get to the final of the Champions League. And, of course, they lose to Real Madrid. 2019, they get to the final of the Champions League and they beat Tottenham Hotspur. 2020, they don't get to any finals. But they did win the league. 2021, no finals again. Then 2022, they get to the final of the Champions League and lose to Real Madrid. They get to the final of the FA Cup and beat Chelsea. They get to the final of the League Cup and also beat Chelsea. And now this year, they are in another final and playing once again against Chelsea. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is the ninth final under Jurgen Klopp. They've got a losing record. So, you know, not great in finals, without question, not great. Um, But hopefully, hopefully this season they can get themselves uh, yet another bit of silverware to add to the the ever-growing collection that sits at the AXA training ground and at Anfield. Um... Right, Asian Cup. We had games yesterday. We have games ongoing right now. Oman are beating Kyrgyzstan 1-0. And Saudi Arabia and Thailand are drawing 0-0. Now, we're 35 minutes into both of those games. 
as we speak. If Oman win, they will qualify out of the group stage as one of the best third-place teams. And Indonesia would lose their spot and drop out. And Indonesia and China would be the two third-place teams that don't advance. So where we stand with the Asian Cup is that Qatar and Tajikistan are through. Australia, Uzbekistan and Syria are through. Iran, United Arab Emirates and Palestine are through. Iraq and Japan are through. Iran, South Korea and Jordan are through. Saudi Arabia and Thailand are both through. And then we find out with this game, Kyrgyzstan versus Oman, who that final team through will be. So Tajikistan will play United Arab Emirates. Iraq will play either Oman or Indonesia. Australia will play, by the looks of things, Palestine. Saudi Arabia likely to play South Korea. Iran against Syria. Bayran against Japan. Qatar against Oman, if it's them that go through. If not, oh yeah, Oman or Malaysia. Oman or Indonesia by the looks of it Um, and then Uzbekistan as things stand would play Thailand now if Thailand beats Saudi Arabia they play Uzbekistan and South Korea would play no sorry if Thailand beat Saudi Arabia Thailand would play South Korea and Uzbekistan would play Saudi. I think if you're Thailand and you're looking at the the long haul, you'd probably prefer to finish second and play Uzbekistan rather than play South Korea. South Korea against Saudi would probably be the tie of the round there. Um, in the AFCON, we are all set for the quarterfinals. So, Group A, Equatorial Guinea, Nigeria, and Ivory Coast sneaking through. Group B, Cape Verde and Egypt are through. Group C, Senegal, Cameroon and Guinea. Group D, Angola, Burkina Faso and Mauritania. Algeria going out. Group E, Mali, South Africa and Namibia all through. Tunisia go out. Group F, Morocco and the Democratic Republic of Congo are through. Zambia miss out as they lost 1-0 to Morocco. And Tanzania miss out as they failed to beat the Democratic Republic of Congo. So Guinea, Namibia, Mauritania and Ivory Coast are your best third place teams. Ivory Coast really sneaking through. One point ahead of Ghana and Zambia. Worst goal difference. If either of them could have picked up another point, they would have gone through. So our round of 16 is set. It is Nigeria against Cameroon. That one should be a belter. That's 
like when the rise of African football began in the 90s, they were the two teams at the forefront of it. So that's quite an exciting one. Angola versus Namibia. I actually watched a program the other day. It was Griff Rees-Jones, one of his travel shows, uh, Slow Train Through Africa, Africa, and it starts in Namibia. What a fascinating country. Um, before that, I'd only really know. Is it, was it Frankie Fred? What was the name of that? There was a, a couple of runners from Namibia, sprinters and that, years and years ago. I don't think it was Frankie Fredericks. I think he's from like the Bahamas or somewhere. Um, anyway, there was a couple of famous runners from Namibia years ago. And it's all I ever really knew about them until I watched that show and then spent some time reading up on them. And it really does seem like a very interesting country, very sparsely populated. Um, they'll play Angola. Cape Verde against Mauritania. Cape Verde will be heavy favourites to win that one. Morocco against South Africa should be a belter. Morocco will be favourites. Mali against Burkina Faso. That one should be a really good game. Loads of quality players there. Senegal against Ivory Coast. Most years you'd be really excited about that game, but Ivory Coast have been so disappointing. Uh, Egypt against the Democratic Republic of Congo. This has actually worked out really well for Egypt because should they win that one, they'll face the winner of Equatorial Guinea or Guinea. Now, Equatorial Guinea have been really good, but I think you'd still fancy Egypt to beat both Congo and then whichever of the others come through and earn themselves a spot in the semi-finals. by which point Mo Salah might be back. Seems unlikely, but maybe. Now, I wouldn't fancy them to get through past the semi-final stage. If I had to guess, I would say we get Nigeria against Angola, Cape Verde against Morocco, Mali against Senegal, Egypt against Equatorial Guinea. That's my guess. Then from there, I think I'd go Nigeria against Morocco in the semi-final and Senegal against maybe Egypt which would give us, I think, potentially a Morocco versus Senegal final, which I think is the final a lot of people would have predicted before the tournament. I think it's the final a lot of people would like to see. It's shaping up to be a really, really good competition, as is the Asian Cup. Still some uncertainty there with those two games going on, obviously. But both are shaping up well. We'll take a break. When we come back, we've got a couple of questions. Not many today. A little bit disappointed. Only only a couple today. So I'll see you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, welcome back. So, uh, we only have two questions today. So, the first one is fact 1977. Take each team and list which player with regular minutes you would most like to have a pint with. Um, as I have not had a drink since the 3rd of August 2011, 
uh, it would be a, a pint of water or blackcurrant or something for me. But, you know, we, we'll go through. We'll go through. Um, I assume you mean the Premier League. So we'll go top to bottom. Liverpool. I mean, the one to have a pint with would be Klopp. But if you're talking about players... um. Probably Virgil. I think he'd be quite interesting to have a conversation with. Mo obviously doesn't drink, but would have would be an interesting conversation. Darwin would be the the most fun, I'd imagine. I, I would imagine his escapades would be quite hilarious. So we'll go Darwin. Manchester City. Um Bernardo Silva, because I'd like to see what he'd be like. I imagine he's the, the little fella with all the big mates who gets himself into trouble and his mates have to bail him out of it. Um, so I'd be quite interested to see how, how that works. Uh, aside from him, KDB would be an interesting conversation, I think. Uh, Arsenal. Rice looks like the type of lad you could get drunk and then put in a shopping trolley and just bring him somewhere random and leave him there, and it'll all be very funny. So we'll go Declan Rice. Aston Villa. Diego Carlos. I think there could be pandemonium. Tottenham. Christian Romero. Imagine the scraps. They'd be tremendous. Uh, West Ham. Suchek would be good crack, I think. I think we'll go Suchek. Um, or maybe maybe Jared Bone. I reckon Jared Bone might be good fun. Brighton. Matoma. He just I think he'd just be hilarious. Um Manchester United. Bruno Fernandez, for similar reasons to Bernardo Silva. Lissandro Martinez, because you're definitely ending up in a scrap. Um, Slabhead Maguire, I reckon, could be good crack at a night out. Chelsea. I'll say Enzo. I'll go Enzo. Newcastle. Jolington is definitely the, the clear option at Newcastle. Actually, the clear option at Arsenal is probably Aaron Ramsdale. He could just imagine getting up to all manner of madness. Um, Wolves. Wolves. Craig Dawson. It's proper old school. I think you'd have a good laugh with him. Bournemouth. Kirkes. Anything could happen. Yeah, Kirkes. Or Zerbani. Ukrainians are a bit nuts. Fulham, Adama Traore. Just to watch him pose and preen. Um, although Tom Kearney, I'd say, is the better point. Brentford. Probably Nathan Collins. Good Irish lad. The Brighton answer is probably Evan Ferguson, but you wouldn't want to corrupt him. He's so young. Uh, but we go Nathan Collins for Brentford. Crystal Palace. Um... Yockey Manderson. Yeah, Yockey Manderson. 
Forrest. I'm going to say Joe Worrell or Chris Wood. Actually, Chris Wood. Yeah, Chris Wood, a Kiwi. You'd always have a good, good laugh with a Kiwi. Everton, it's Dyche. It's Dyche by miles. If we have to go players, I'll go Seamus Coleman, but it's Dyche by miles. Luton Town, Ross Barkley. I don't know why. I just, I, I'd like to sit down and talk with Ross Barkley. Burnley. Jay Rodriguez? Yeah, we'll go Jay Rodriguez. And Sheffield United, um, I believe, I won't say that. <laughs> There's a player there who's had some problems in the past, but I believe he's off the booze. I will say Ollie McBurney. Something mad would happen with Ollie McBurney without question, so we'll go with him. Then our second question, which scenario would you take in regards to Joe Gomez scoring his first goal for Liverpool? Scenario A, he scores a 90th minute winner in the league in which those three points guarantee a league title. Group uh, Scenario B, a 90th minute winner in a Champions League final. Or scenario C, he stays with us for the best part of his career. It's the last game of the season. Joe is 33 and both him and the club have agreed not to renew his contract, winning completely 3-0 with 20 minutes remaining in the manager's sights to pull off the striker for a defender, throws Joe up front, and Joe bags himself a hat-trick in the last 20 minutes. Do you know, I'm going A. I'm going A. Joe Gomez scores the winner that wins us the league title. The, the Champions League, I'll take that either, but I'll go with the league. I'll go with the league. Yeah, Joe Gomez scores the winner to win us the league. Um, that is all the questions there is for today, as far as I'm aware. I don't. I haven't seen anything else come in on Twitter. They didn't need to on Discord. I haven't really been paying enough attention to Twitter. But So if you did send anything, send it again. I'll get to it next week. Um, rather than just go straight to another break, um, what we'll do, what I wanted to quickly do, I, I did see Dougie Critchley, who's generally wrong about most things, put together his England team on form. So if England were picking a team based on current form, what would it be? And of course, his was wrong. So I thought I'd correct it. Um, he picked Pickford in goal. And to be fair, Ramsdale isn't playing. Nick Pope is injured. Dean Henderson has been pretty hit and miss for Palace. So by default, it probably is Pickford. Right back is Trent. Left back is Joe Gomez. He had those right in his defence. Uh, he went Konza and Branthwaite at centre-back, which I do agree with, but Konza is playing as much right back as centre-back. Branthwaite's definitely in. And Konza, I think you have to put in because he's playing really well. So we'll go with Ezri Konza. So Trent, Konza, Branthwaite, Gomez. Solid backline. Then in midfield, he just went haywire. He picked Cole Palmer in a midfield three with Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham. Now, anybody who's ever watched a game of football knows that midfield is not working. They also know that Cole Palmer is not a midfielder. And he is playing as a final third player for Chelsea in a front four oftentimes as the nine, sometimes as the 10, most times as a right winger. But he's definitely not a midfield player. Um, Declan Rice also hasn't been good of late. So on form, 
there's no argument in favour of Declan Rice. He hasn't been good since before Christmas. He's had a lot of poor games. So I'm not really sure how Declan Rice would get in. You know? But a player who is playing exceptionally well and on form, therefore, would be in is Curtis Jones. He's playing out of his skin. So you'd have to go with Curtis Jones. Jude Bellingham is an obvious one. But who's the third midfielder on form? Well, there's no one at Liverpool other than Jones. There's no one at City. Rice isn't in good form. There's no one at Villa. No one at Spurs. Ward-Prowse has been up and down. Nobody at Brighton. Nobody at United. Could you make a case for Conor Gallagher? You probably could. Don't think I would, but you could. Lewis Miley's been very good for the tune, but he's not an every-game starter. Nobody at Wolves. Lewis Cook, he's been really good for Bournemouth. I think he'd have a strong case. Harrison Reed's up and down. No one at Brentford. Will Hughes hasn't been good enough. No one at Forest. James Garner's been pretty good, but not good enough to make a case for. Ross Barkley? been really good for Luton no one at Burnley no one at Sheffield United I don't really want to pick Ross Barkley so what we're going to do is we're just going to go on form I'm going to throw positions out the window stick Archie Gray in midfield no Declan Rice has not been good of late but no other England midfielder other than Conor Gallagher has either and I can't play a midfield three of Bellingham, Jones, and, and Gallagher. It just, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. So, by default, Declan Rice does have to get in, unfortunately. Now, up front, he went with Kane. Fair enough. Fair enough. Harry Kane's been great. He picked Phil Foden on the right-hand side. And obviously a lot of Arsenal fans got upset by this because, you know, where is Jared Bone? He also picked Anthony Gordon on the left, and I'm, I'm not having either of them, to be totally honest. I think you have to go with Jared Bone as one of your your wide forwards. And I think Ollie Watkins has got to be the other one. I know he plays to the middle, but he has been exceptional this season. So we're going Bowen, Kane, Watkins as our front three. Dominic Solanke is very unfortunate not to get in. But Bowen, Kane, Watkins will be the front three I go with on form. Bellingham, Rice, Jones in midfield. Bellingham and Jones are no-brainers. Rice, he's a no-brainer of a different type, but it's because there's no other good option. The defence should pick itself. Even though Konza, like I say, 
plays as much right back as centre back. I wonder actually what his breakdown of appearances is this season. When Diego Carlos is fit, Diego Carlos generally plays. So Conza goes right back. But um he has played, you know, quite a bit at centre back as well, obviously. Something about those Charlton defenders, him and Gomez, they're just very versatile, very clever players. So he's had 18 games at centre-back and 12 at right-back this season. Obviously, Carlos missed a chunk of the season with an injury and Pau Torres took a little bit of time to sort of settle in and get himself up to speed. Since those two have been fit and up to speed, Esri's played more right-back than centre-back in the last nine Premier League games. He's played right back in seven of them. Um, two of his centre-back games were in the Cup. A couple were in the dead rubber Europa Conference League games that didn't really matter. Yeah. But we'll go with Esri next to Branthwaite. That's fair. Pickford and, and Rice are in because there's no other option. Not because they've been good. Rice was was good until he went to Anfield and he hasn't been good since. Endo must have snatched the soul of him. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll wrap up with the Gossip Short pod today. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So uh, we have a small bit of breaking news. Uh, it's important to me, though. Uh, Sheffield United have completed the signing of Irish teenager Sam Curtis, who you've heard me talk about on this podcast before. Uh, young right-back or centre-back from St. Patrick's, St. Patrick's Athletic. Um, I think he'll be a right-back for Sheffield United. I think he's one of the most promising young Irish players around right now. Only 18. He's been playing League of Ireland since he was 15. Um, recently voted Young Player of the Year in the Irish League, youngest player ever to win that, already has sixty-two, sorry, 60 senior games under his belt at just 18. He's won the FEI Cup twice. He has been capped by Ireland at under 15, under 17, under 18, under 19, and under 21 level. I'm very, very excited to see how his career develops. His brother, Ben, is also a very talented player um, who who stepped away from the game for a while to focus on his mental health. Another very talented one, though, that might find his way to England in the near future. St. Pat's have done a really impressive job developing young players of late. Uh, James Abanqua, another one that came through their system. He's at Charlton on loan from Udinese, another one I have have high hopes for. The one to keep an eye on, though, for the next Irish kid to come from from St. Pat's is Mason Melia, a young kid from Wicklow, who actually broke Sam Curtis's record as the youngest player to play in the League of Ireland. Very, very talented. Very, very talented. And I think he's one that will get a move across the water quite soon. And there's been some rumours that Brighton are looking at him and a couple of other clubs. Really, really talented. It's it's an exciting time for Irish football. The national team is crap. 
but we've got a real crop of talented youngsters coming through. So that's getting me quite uh, quite interested again. Um, Celtic have turned down a bid from Atletico Madrid from Matt O'Reilly, the former Fulham midfielder who plays for Denmark. Really good player. He's been outstanding since moving north of the border. And you can see why Atleti would want him. Atleti really are going in on rebuilding their midfield. They have agreed a deal for Arthur Vermeeren. They are apparently close to a deal for Federico Redondo and looking for Matt O'Reilly as well. Um, Wouldn't be surprised if they came back in the summer to do a deal there. You could imagine that's a a move he would like to make. That's a, a huge club and a huge opportunity. He was very, very good when Celtic played at Letty in the Champions League this year, which is obviously one of the games that will have caught the eye. Uh, Eric Dyer made his debut for Bayern Munich last night in their 1-0 win over Union Berlin. Uh, he came off the bench, I believe, for Deon Upamecano at half time, and then gave an interview where he put on a ridiculous accent. One that will go into the Hall of Shame along with David Moyes and Joey Barton. It's absolutely shocking. Uh, the FA have launched an investigation into the circumstances leading up to the death of Sheffield United's Maddie Cusack. Folks, the more I hear about what took place, the more horrored, horrified I am at what may have gone on behind the scenes at Sheffield United. And um, I do think there's major questions to be asked. And I, I really do think that the ugly things are going to come out. Uh, Zvonimir Boban has quit his job as technical director of UEFA in protest at Alexander Seferin's intention to stay on for a further term as president. Seferin was elected in 2016, replacing Michel Platini, and one of the reforms he put in place was a three-term limit for all executive appointments. However, he is trying to change the rule to remain in power until 2031, and Boban has called this move beyond comprehension. Yeah, I mean, look, Seferin is in his second term. He would be due to step down in 2027. Sorry, he's in his third term. He's due to step down in 2027. And he's been unopposed. And now his supporters are pushing for him to stay beyond that. And I would imagine Boban probably had eyes on that role himself, but he knows he cannot beat Seferin in an election. Now, is he right to complain that Seferin campaigned on one thing, made a big show about only doing three terms, you know, to cut out the nonsense we've seen with FIFA and is now going back on that? Yeah, he is. Absolutely is. Seferin, for me, should be finishing up this term as strong as possible and then looking at the FIFA job. That, for me, would make more sense. 
Uh, Blackburn Rovers have turned down an offer from Crystal Palace for Adam Wharton, very talented midfielder. £18.5 million is the proposal that was put forward. It has been rejected. Blackburn want a higher price and they want to keep him on loan till the summer. Excuse me. Um, which I think is is a fair enough ask because he's vital to them. Uh, let's see what John Percy has to say for us. John Percy. Nothing. Matt Law tells us that Chelsea are considering a deadline day bid for Aston Villa striker John Duran. I mean, another striker that doesn't score a ton of goals, it would definitely fit in well. I think Villa would push back on that possibility. But if I was Villa, I might ask to see if Carney Chukwemeka would be interested in coming back the other way and maybe get some cash as well. You never know. Uh, Manchester City have signed Claudio Echeverri from River Plate in a deal worth $12.5 million. He has signed a contract until 2028 and then he and has headed back to River until the end of this calendar year. So he will join City in January of 2025, an exceptionally talented young player that I think City have jumped ahead of a lot of clubs to to snap up. Um, Marlon Gomes is leaving Vasco da Gama to go to Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, 12 million plus potential 4 million in add-ons. Nemanja Matic is on the move again. Uh, he is going to Lyon. Contract until 2026. I'd imagine Ren are furious about his behaviour. But sure, look. Napoli are advancing to complete the agreement for Nehuan Perez, former Atletico Madrid defender, outstanding young defender in my view. I think he can be a big player. Uh, Nuno Tavares is still sort of at a deadlock situation. Arsenal are open to selling him. Marseille want to buy him. Forrest control the situation and don't seem to want to let him go. I think they probably should. He's not very good. Um, Let's see. Pep Guardiola has confirmed that City have no place, no plans to replace Calvin Phillips. Okay. Uh, Simone Pafunda, Pafundi, a young Italian, very, very talented player, is going to Luzon on loan from Udinese with a buy option. Now, that's a little bit of a strange one because I remember about six months ago hearing some, hearing a podcast that's kind of focused on the Italian national team. And he was one of the players that they were saying was, you know, definitely part of the future for Italy. Um, they were comparing them to players like Lorenzo Insigne. And the Guardian back in October named him as one of their 60, you know, the, the, the best 60 young talents. And Udinese seemingly just decided to to let him leave. Um, Left-footed, plays off the right, cuts in field, loves to shoot. 
creative player, very, very talented, like a lefty in senior, if same kind of, you know, slight sh- short and, and kind of slight build, but looks like he could become quite, you know, that short stocky type. Um, Let's see. What else do we have? Uh, Ange Postacoglu has confirmed that James Madison is available to start against Man City, as is Kulosevsky. So it's only LaCelso, Manor Solomon, and Alejo who are going to be missing. Um. Gabriel Mascardo has completed his move to PSG. I think that's a bad move for him. Chris Frankunku is back in training, which is positive for Chelsea. Arthur Vermeeren has landed in Madrid today to complete his deal and join Atletico Madrid. Um, Richard Garlick is joining Arsenal. Oh, sorry, he's moving up in Arsenal. He was director of football operations. And he's had another job. And he is becoming the marketing director. I'm not sure if that's a promotion or a sideways move. Um, Oh, managing director, not marketing director. Managing director. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Um, Yeah, fair. That's That's a good promotion for him. Do, 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 do. Where are we? Romelu Lukaku. In the next two years, I see Saudi Pro League becoming one of the best. And Romelu Lukaku getting out there and stumping for the big bag of cash, as he has done his entire career. Um, that's pretty much our lot there. So it is just the gossip that we have left. So let's get into that and see what's what's what. Liverpool have joined Manchester City in the race to sign Joshua Kimmich. No, they haven't. Manchester United are not expected to sign a replacement for Anthony Martial. Why would they? He doesn't offer anything. Martial's injury has scuppered United's plans to sell him during the January transfer. He wasn't going to leave because he had a contract in the summer, and it makes far more sense for him to see out his contract and leave. Manchester United are planning to recoup £100 in the sales of players this summer. Started with Mason, starting with Mason Greenwood. They might think that Mason Greenwood has rehabilitated his image. He absolutely has not. I would be surprised if Barcelona signed him. It's also not like he's playing well for Hitafe. He scored three goals in 16 La Liga games, a league that's very poor defensively. I don't know what 100 million worth of Manchester United players looks like. Bayern Munich have ended their pursuit of Kieran Trippier. That's probably wise. Um, Miguel Almiron is a target for Al-Shabaab, but is told Newcastle does not want to leave. Okay. Chelsea are considering a move for John Duran. Uh, Chelsea have set a £38 million asking price for Romelu Lukaku. That is very much the price for the Saudi clubs. I'd imagine one of the Italian clubs, if that's where he ends up, gets him for about 20. Uh, Brentford signing uh, Valdemirsen. Genoa 
interested in Ben Godfrey. We've had those. <clears throat> Everton are, inter- are, are open to selling Amadou Onana this month. No, they're not. They absolutely are not. That is simply not true. No matter how many times Jack Talbot, who is a professional liar, decides to say it, it won't be true. Luton are interested in Coventry City's 25-year-old English midfielder, Ben Sheaf. Ben Sheaf is really good. He's absolutely a Premier League player. Fulham have withdrawn from negotiations with Krosnodar for Colombian striker Jan Cordoba over concerns about dealing with a Russian club. Um, At no point has he really been linked with Fulham by anyone other than football transfers who are, again, with the same spoofer, the ones behind this story. Uh, Martin Dubravka is considering his future at the club this summer. Is he at a contract this year? I have a feeling he is. But he clearly has no future as a starter at Newcastle, and he's 35. No, he's got, he's got one year left. He's 35. He should go and play somewhere. Arsenal are chasing a deal for Xavi Simmons as a backup to move for Pedro Neto. See, this is when you know someone is spoofing. And again, Steve Kay is an enormous spoofer. Pedro Neto and Xavi Simmons are nothing alike. So in no way would you be looking at Neto and then thinking, well, who's our plan B? Oh, a totally different type of player. Either Arsenal have no idea what they're doing or Steve Kay is spoofing. And the likelihood is it's probably both. Um, Coventry City's English midfielder Callum O'Hare is out of contract this summer and been monitored by Southampton, Burnley and Leicester City he's a really good player as well I had hoped he would sign a new deal with Coventry and stay there Um, he came through the Villa Academy he's been really good since joining Coventry he's had some injury issues I'm still hoping that Ireland will take a look at him and decide to call him up because he does qualify uh, to play for us. And at 25, he would, um, he's, you know, only approaching his prime. I'd very much be in favor of Ireland landing him. He'll be a Premier League player soon. It's a shame for Coventry if they lose him for free. It really is. If they'd had him last year, they would have come up. They'd had because he, he missed so much of the season with injury. What did he play? Eleven games all season. They'd had him, Hammer, and Chief. That would have been the best midfielder in the championship last season by a considerable margin. They've done such a good job with the recruitment there. Really, really is impressive what Mark Robbins has done on a very, very small budget for the most part. You see some of the sales they had in the summer, like Yakarez and and uh, and Hammer, and how well they've how well they've put that money back into the team. Now, a couple of misses along the way, but of the ones they signed in the, in the summer, uh, Milan Van Uyck looks looks a real player. And I'd have faith that Bradley Collins comes along, uh, that Sakamoto continues to get better. He's, what, 26, 27 now. But he looks a good player. Ellis Sims, I think, is is one you can have confidence in what he will become. They signed Hadji Wright. Hasn't been great this season, but... Again, he's one I think that once he settles properly, he will he will do well. Um, yeah, I'm very impressed 
regularly with what I see from from Coventry and Callum O'Hare is one that always does stand out. Right, folks, that'll do me for today. I'll see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.